0: Psalm 100. <clears throat> Psalm 100, number eight. <laughs> number eight. The tune of this song is, you can see it there, under the title Old Hundredth. That's what it was called in the old psalters, the old hymnals, because it was the old tune for Psalm 100. says, his truth at all times firmly stood and shall from age to age endure, and when this world is going bonkers, telling us that you're born a male, you can have a, a surgery and be changed into a female, and vice versa, and it doesn't matter what uh, your birth certificate says, and all the other goofy things going on, his truth at all times firmly stood, Amen. and it will, it will. So, if you want to be on the right side of history, uh, stay on this side. 160. 160. This is one of, I'm not sure we have sung this before. Channels only. Have we sung this here? Have we? We have? Okay. Channels only. We want to be a channel of God's blessing. That's right. And that's what this song is about. Let's sing all four
1: stanzas.
2: Last week we were in the Beatitudes, Matthew five, six, and seven, and I'm going on Wednesday nights. Some highlights from my Bible reading, and so next time it'll be some chapter in the future. Depends where I uh, feel like we should have something from the pulpit about these personal readings. And so, why don't you try to make your own commentary when you read your Bible? Take notes and have your own impressions. You may. I feel like the Lord is telling something as you're reading, and that might be a good thing to keep track of what you are impressed with. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I'll try to cover the whole chapter, which means we'll have to read verses and then make commentary or remarks about some of the things that are here. Matthew 10, verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4 is the calling or the choosing of the 12 apostles. And you have the list of names here in verses 1, 2, 3. And four, and so I'll not, I'll not read them because I want to get through some of the other parts of this chapter, but here you have the names of the 12 apostles. Notice that all of them are male. All of them are men. The Lord did not call a woman to be an apostle. That's uh, nothing against a woman, by the way. Just because he exercises his prerogative to choose a man to do teaching and preaching does not mean that a woman is inferior and so i'm not sure who that person would be that first fussed about uh paul the apostle was a chauvinist or jesus christ was unfair because he chose men the fact is he chose men he chose men to preach the bible and therefore that's just the way it is and so when someone or a church or an organization or institution begins to allow women to preach it's because of pressure from society and from within the church that well we must keep up with the times, otherwise the world might think we are old-fashioned and backwards. Well, those are not legitimate concerns, although the world itself will always find fault with the church if they're trying to do the right thing. So, might as well do the right thing and let the chips fall where they may. All right, so uh, the men that are called are men. Now, verses 5 through 15, under this portion, I have put down the word consideration. The first five verses or four verses, I have called it, Uh, I've dubbed it calling and now consideration verses 5 through 15 is consideration And now in the first few two verses verses three verses five through seven ten five through seven Let's look at these verses chapter 10 verses five through seven of Matthew These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go not into the way of the Gentiles And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, verses 5, 6, and 7 is a very important three verses. Because when you consider what he's saying here, there's a big distinction between what he says to these apostles to do, where to go, and who to talk to, as opposed to after his resurrection, who to go to and what to preach. And so you see a big difference here in verses 5, 6, and 7. And so the 12 are commissioned to go to the Jewish people, his own people. Uh, the Apostle Paul later on would be very burdened about the Jew first Romans 1:16. The gospel should go to the Jew first because he had a great passion for his own kind the Jewish people and so Jesus came first of all remember to Reach his own nation his own people the Hebrews and he was going to come and bring in a kingdom for the Jewish people and that was his first intent and of course the people the nation rejected him Therefore, we are the recipients and the benefactors, uh, beneficiaries, I should say, of uh, the Jews rejecting Israel. Kind of funny how it worked out. And so we have the gospel now, even though the gospel first came to the Jewish people. Now you want to write down as a note, Matthew 28 and Acts chapter one and verse number eight, because those two references talk about, give the gospel to the whole world, which would involve all kinds of people not just Jewish people. So the commissions to the, gen, uh, to the Jews, the 12, very specific. When they rejected the Messiah, the gospel goes to all the world. And that's why the local church has been given that commission to take the gospel to everyone. Everyone is a candidate for salvation. Everyone is. Now the message, verses, uh, seven, verse number 7, and as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know that is not what we preach today? We don't preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We preach, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Acts 10, uh, uh, 30, Acts, what is it? 16, 31. and 31. And so that is the message that we preach today. Salvation by faith. Not that kingdom is coming. Now, the, just to pass on a note to you, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that they are preparing themselves for the kingdom of heaven. And that's why they're so diligent and so dedicated, and they are unwavering in their mission to give the gospel to every creature, and then they will survive the tribulation because of the faithfulness, and they will enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what they hope for. The Christian's message today is to preach the gospel to every creature, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Now, look at in consideration verses 8 through 10. The consideration now he tells them is how to perform this ministry. How to reach the Jew. Here's what you do to reach the Jew. Consideration. How to perform your ministry of reaching the Jews. Verses 8 through 10. Heal the sick. That's not what we try to do. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Now, verse 8. That is how they were told how shall we reach the jews lord here's what you do disciples apostles you do these things you do miracles you even raise the dead that'd be a real miracle and today no one can do these things but they try to fabricate facsimile try to duplicate what is really what really happened in the first century with these apostles and so that's not what we do today. The method is to persuade the Jews by miracles, by signs and by wonders, to persuade them to believe on the Messiah. Now, he also says this, freely, that's a good word, free. You like free? You like free things? Go to Sam to give you, you swipe your card at a kiosk and you get a free sample of something. Oh, right, free is good. Yeah, actually you paid for it because of membership, but free is good. Freely you have received, freely to give. Now, uh, they were told, You don't charge people, the Jews, anything for what you do for them. If you do these things, the verse number eight, don't charge them money because it's, first of all, not your power. It's my power. I give it to you freely. I want you to do these things to persuade them to believe on me. Don't charge them. You got it freely. Give it to them freely. Now, people who try to copy every single thing in the gospels they have something to try to figure out because first of all nowadays when you do christian ministry it's not free it costs something to do christian ministry it costs something to support missionaries it costs some missionaries to go in the field it costs something for a church to operate it costs everything everyone something in modern times so nothing is totally free the gospel is free you don't charge for that oh uh (laughs) I just thought about this one time, um, uh, our friends, uh, the Matthews, uh, they were, um, Valerie was adopted by a Chinese couple, an old Chinese couple, and uh, they had asked me to witness to the father and to the mother. I witnessed to the father and the the initial way to do that was uh, Pat, um, the son-in-law was going to have a barbecue. Of course, I'm going to come to the barbecue, right? And so he always cooks meat well done for me, so that's really nice of him. And so I would go there, but the intent was to witness to the father-in-law. And so you don't just jump on people, but you try to get something in when it's appropriate. So he's talking away about different things and I'm waiting for an opportunity as we're eating and he's uh, got everything in control. He's an older man and he's a, he's a self-made man. Learned how to invest on his own, built his printing business on his own. So pretty much a self-made man, a good, hard-working man, I would say. And so yet he was not a Christian, but he um, didn't feel like he needed to receive Christ personally because he had made it through life pretty much on his own. And so people like that are difficult to, to see their need for Christ. Anyway, looking for an opportunity and finally I get a chance to talk to him about being saved. And you know what he did? You know what he did? Now you need to look up here and watch this. Here's what he did. As I'm talking about being saved, here's what he did. He reached for his back pocket, he pulled out his wallet, and he said, "Here, how much you want?" This fucking man, how much you want? He thought I was telling him something, and he won. He thought I had, I was. He thought he had to pay me. I said, "This, no, no, no. I don't want your money." I said, "I want you to understand what I'm telling you. I want you to be saved. I want you to know that." oh yeah, 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 like that. Yeah, yeah. So he really thought, he had to pay for this, quote, advice. Now if I was giving advice to fix his computer and I was like, "We're a repairman, I'd say, yeah, you owe me 45 bucks for an hour, you know, whatever. But I wasn't doing that. And so he says, go and give them, do things for them freely. Verse number nine. And I, I, I need to repeat. Nowadays, you cannot do things for free because Hiko wants money. A landlord wants money somebody wants money okay it costs money for things and so it's not wrong it's just the way things are verse number nine he says in how to reach people some considerations what to preach and how to perform this ministry method methodically provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor script for your journey neither two coats neither shoes nor yet staves. for the workman is worthy of his meat now As far as the method goes, Jesus is explained to his apostles, when you go into different towns, as we walk to different towns, we're just going to go. We're not going to think about a lot of things. We're just going to go and minister to people. We're not going to concern ourselves with some of these things. Oh, is it going to be cold? We better bring an extra coat. Is it going to rain? We better bring us an umbrella. Not, don't think about things like that. It sounds very impractical. It sounds very impromptu. It sounds very unorganized, but it wasn't. He just is emphasizing this. He says, we're going to go and do this. We're not going to worry about material needs, physical needs. We're just going to go. Because when we go to a town, he says, the workman is worthy of his hire. Verse 11, and into whose whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when you come into the house salute it And if the house be worthy let your peace be upon it but if it be not worthy let your peace return to you and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house of this or city shake up the dust of your feet now what is that all about we're going to go to a place we're going to tell them what we need to tell them and uh, if they want to hear they'll invite us into the house they'll show us hospitality the general you know hospitality has precedent from the Old Testament. In the Old, in the Old Testament, Leviticus nineteen thirty-three and thirty-four. Make a note of that one, please. Nineteen thirty-three and thirty-four. It's about hospitality under the law. And then you remember in one Kings chapter seventeen, there is a widow of Zarephath, and she showed hospitality to the prophet Elijah. She built, uh, she had a room for him, and she had room and board for him. Whenever he passed by, he was welcome to come because she showed hospitality to him. And then Hebrews 13, 2 tells us this in the New Testament, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. So you show hospitality. Now, they, in the New Testament, in the gospels, it was very common for them to go to a place without even notice. How could you notify someone, except it's by word of mouth or runner, that we're gonna come be here next week and uh, may we stay at your place. So hospitality was either you give someone water for sure, Water, place to sit down comfortably, shade over their head, a sandwich, um, pizza, vegetarian pizza, no no sausage on it, get it, Jewish evangelists, Jewish apostles, and uh, give them lemon juice, sweet tea, whatever you want to give them, make them feel refreshed for a little bit, and then and if it's maybe late in the day, you might say, you know what? Where, where's your next stop? Uh, we're going to go 20 miles. Or you know what? It's 6 o'clock for You know, Why don't you just stay here tonight? Or if they came at a part of the day, in the afternoon, they might invite them to stay for dinner. And why don't you folks stay here? I got room. Why don't you stay a couple of nights? That's what they were expecting. That's what they're hoping for. Hospitality. Now, when it says entertain strangers, uh, in that verse of Hebrews, it does not mean... Show them your wedding pictures. <laughs> show them videos of your, your first child's birthday or your vacation to Italy or uh, the Acropolis. Or show, It doesn't mean everything like that. It means be hospitable to them. Take care of them. Show kindness to them. They're out of town. Spare them some expenses. Help them out. Be hospitable to them. That's what that means. And so um, chapter 10 of Matthew Oh, by the way, I was going to say, nowadays, strangers, strangers, entertain strangers. You dare not be careless about entertaining strangers because of the nature of society today. You don't want to have anyone coming to your house just because of knocking the door. Uh, I'm passing by, I don't have a place to stay. Can I stay with you? And you have a spare room, or you have a, uh, ADU, uh, extra unit you built in the back of your house, on top of your house. You don't want to have some stranger coming. You just don't know who they are. Uh, nowadays it's kind of you must be extra cautious about strangers you just don't know who you're dealing with I'll give you this quick illustration which makes a point about entertaining strangers be cautious nowadays and the point is just because it says that it did it did happen above doesn't mean you do that today as a regular practice without thought uh, there was a man who was known to be a fraud um, he was a fake doctor a fake airline pilot and a fake everything. Focus on them years ago, had him interviewed, uh, Frank Abagnale. A movie was made by him by uh, the famous producer, what's his name, Jewish producer, and uh, back in the 80s, and it portrayed him as somebody who was really clever and everything. Did you know, there's a report out that everything he said was a lie. Someone fact checked him. He said, when I was a boy my parents divorced at this age, it was not true. And he had done this about it was not true somebody actually fact-checked him and turned out it was not true so the faker who's supposed to fake everybody out faked the media out mm-hmm. fake Christians out it never really happened like he said mm-hmm. that's amazing you just don't know who you're dealing with nowadays mm-hmm. so be careful about entertaining strangers mm-hmm. now they could be an angel unawares it could be but be cautious be cautious who you give a ride to who you let into your home be cautious be careful who you talk to on the phone be careful who you click on on the website be careful you don't know all right so what to preach how to approach people who to approach Jews only do miracles to convince them that they uh, are from the Messiah evidence is what they needed Uh, chapter 10 verse number 11 some more greetings from this chapter verse number 11 uh, whatsoever seed time to enter inquire who is, i read that already um oh, who is worthy who is worthy what does that mean who is worthy are they good to be worthy no those who accommodate them those who are kind to them those who are gracious to them then they're in a sense worthy and so they will get a blessing it's almost the same thing where about the jew god says i'll bless them that bless thee and i will curse them that curse thee it's like the same principle so when you're when you're kind to the apostles God says okay because you did that to my apostles I'll be gracious to you I'll be finding favor with you in some way you get a blessing in some way you know that God also does that today where he is kind to people because they are kind to God's people the Jew and that's very true and when people are kind to Christians maybe God is kind to that business too or to that person or to that neighbor that would not be a stretch chapter 10 verse 16 Through 22 we looked at the calling consideration of who to talk to and how to do it now we look at the cost chapter 10 verse 16 through 22 the cost of following christ behold i send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves but beware of men for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues and Ye shall be brought there's not much good news here and ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the gentiles now these verses talk about the cost of following christ he tells the apostles now it's pretty exciting that you can cast out devils and one time in luke chapter 10 they came back so excited because they could cast out devils and he says don't rejoice in that but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven so this is going to be pretty exciting for them to follow Christ and do things that he did. And they'll be very, very, uh, well, the word is excited about doing what Jesus would do. But he then says, caution, there's a cost to following me because not everyone's going to accept the message or accept you. And uh, they will take advantage of you. Uh, he's being very blunt with them. He's being very forthright about what to expect. Look at this. Rush your used to do this and it's firmly nicotine stained hands. This is an ad, a facsimile ad for the Pony Express. Pony Express, it's intact on my wall. Pony Express, St. Joseph, Missouri to California in 10 days or less. By horse, that means you're flying, flying horses, wings, no stopping, just go. And then you get to a certain point, certain mile marker, and then this other guy, They change horses and change riders, or maybe the same rider to change horses until they get to California. It takes them 10 days. Listen to this ad. This is about being blunt. Wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows. Not over 18. That is so wrong. They're saying if you're over 18, you can't handle the rigors of being a Pony Express rider. But if you're young and skinny and wiry, you can must be expert writers willing to risk death daily, orphans preferred <laughs> wages $25 per week that was a lot, apply Pony Express Stables, St. Joseph, Missouri now that is an ad a very blunt ad asking some young man to sign up and risk his life, you know what Jesus said to his apostles it's going to cost you to follow me you don't have to be young skinny, you're not Don't have to be a certain age, but when you follow me, it's gonna cost you something. That's what he's saying over here. And so I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. The nature of the animal is to attack, attack, kill and eat. That's what a wolf would do against these humble, lowly, innocent, defenseless lambs. So the point underlying all of this is the world is no friend to grace. The world is no friend to grace. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. What's that about? Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Well, because the wolf, his nature is to to hunt, to kill, and to eat. Innocent lambs, the more the merrier. He says, be wise. Be wise to do what? Mm-hmm. To avoid getting yourself in a position where you be attacked, killed, and eaten. Be wise. Don't invite unnecessary hate. Unnecessary scorn your way don't be dishonest don't be slothful don't be mean don't speed don't don't do things to bring aggravation your way don't do things to to get people to scorn you and attack you you're going to get attacked anyway because of the nature of the world and the nature of who you are and who you represent so be wise don't go into a court and say hey judge i don't care what you say i'm right you're expecting to get a contempt of court, okay, you can pay a fine. Cop pulls you over, Carmen, for speeding in your truck. You're not gonna say it to, her, to the cop, hey, you know what, don't you know who I am? I'm a member of Independent Baptist Church. I can speed if I want to. I sing in church, okay? Now, if you do that, you're inviting hate. You're inviting booker and throw the key away. He says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves don't bring unnecessary rejection hate unnecessarily verses 17 through 20 under the cost 17 through 20 beware of men for they will deliver you up to the councils religious persecution and they will scourge you in the synagogues religious hate verse 18 you know some of the most the most some of the most evil and violent hatred comes from religion against another religion. Now Christians, real Christians do not do these things. Real Christians do not do these things. They don't scourge you, they don't do that. But a man-based religion or a religion that has no biblical foundation and Christ is not the center of everything, they tend to have a despising of another religion that doesn't conform to their religion so he says uh, you're going to have this at verse number 18 religious persecution and also a persecution from the government and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and to the Gentiles but when they deliver you up, verse 19 take no thought how or what you shall speak now let me say something about verses 17 and uh, here um, he says Oh, let me know let me say something about verse number 19 but when they deliver you up take no thought how or what ye shall speak for it shall be given you in that hour same hour what you shall speak now verse 19 would you say verse 19 is applicable dogmatically as a rule for today would you apply that verse today the the part about this verse that is kind of abused is Take no thought in how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. Now here's how that is applied wrongly by some people. Listen carefully. This is how it's wrongly applied. But the real, the thing is, it said in the Bible. I'm going to do that because it says that in the Bible. You have to make the distinction of rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to copy this and make a fool out of yourself. Would a, would a Would a lawyer represent you? actually not prepare his case in court if he shows up on the day of the hearing and uh, let's say the court the case commences the jury is all in order everything they've been dead and everything and he's gonna represent you he comes to he comes to court and you say oh I'm so glad you're here are you ready he says well I just get up and talk that doesn't make you feel good if he says well, no, I just got up, and I just drove over here, and I just had time to shave and have breakfast at McDonald's, and here I am, and um, I haven't even looked at the 40 yet, so I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to trust God to show me. That's a bad lawyer. He's not prepared. Well, let's go into the spiritual world. Uh, a guy comes to teach Sunday school class, opens his Bible, he does this. Watch now, watch up here, watch, watch. Opens his Bible, and he does, oh, let's say a, a pastor opens the Bible like this, in the pulpit, he walks the pulpit, choir his saying and everything preliminary done he goes like this <laughs> of the increase of his and then he begins to talk about that you know one thing he doesn't know what he's talking about because he has not prepared he thinks he thinks I'm gonna just show up point a verse to a verse the Bible and the Lord's gonna show me what to say wrong as some people say wrong already <laughs> wrong or the chinese say wrong already <laughs> wrong already no second timothy says study to show the up, approved unto god a workman and so on so that can be abused don't abuse that verse anyone should not do that no one should do that all right so you have um consideration calling consideration you have the cost for following christ and then you have Another part of the cost of following Christ is in verse 21 and 22. We have seen Jesus said that the world would reject you, but someone else would reject you. Verse 21 and 22. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the child shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. now, You have also rejection, you have strife, you have animosity, you have conflict, not just with the world, but with your own family. Sometimes it comes where they don't understand what you're doing for Christ and following Christ separates. And so uh, this is one of the realities that can happen. It doesn't have to always happen, but it happens sometimes where uh, a young man wants to, because God has called him to full-time ministry. He has to prepare for that. But his father wanted him to go to um, uh, lawyer, become a lawyer, things like that, or follow up with the family business, different things. But he says, "No, I, I feel like God is calling me to to preach instead." Or and uh, there's strife there. It happens that sometimes, if if there is no uh, the word I'm trying to find is consensus or agreement that. Uh, this child is God's child and uh, whatever God does with him is fine with me because that's what I raised him for, things like that. But you have rejection by the family because if you look at verse number 34 here's something that he said that bears heavily upon this rejection by the family and by the world. Verse number 34. Look at that with me. Verse number 34. Think not that i am come to send peace on earth. i come not to send peace but a Sword. Now that's a tough verse because usually we Christmas time, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That'll be good to have peace in this world. But a lot of times, for the Christian who wants to follow Christ, there is no peace because following Christ means there's a division, there's a separation. I've not come to send peace on earth. It'd be a mistake to think that because you're a Christian, everyone's gonna know, think this is great that you are a Christian, and even your own family members might say, "Oh, you mean we can't do that?" No, we don't do that. Well, it's just a few beers in the refrigerator. It's just a party. Why can't we have a few? Well, we can't go there. Oh, why not? Well, because we're Christian. Oh, Dad, you mean because we're Christian, we can't do that? Oh, man, Dad, my friends are going to laugh at us. Oh, Dad, it's, that is so, that is so, oh, boy. You sure? So you can see how the division can come. You can see how there's no peace there. I come not to send peace, but a sword, a sword cuts, a sword divides. A knife cuts it cuts it cuts things it divides Uh, today Nathan was hacking banana stalks with this machete that blade is a sword it cuts it separates a long one into little pieces and sometimes that following Christ being a Christian it separates husband and wife mom and dad um, children and parents relatives sometimes it happens that way And remember, he said, Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So that is in the line of don't be obnoxious, don't be hard-headed, don't be belligerent, don't be all those kind of things, don't be unreasonable, and you still could have a division. So don't look for trouble. Trouble comes, even when you don't look for trouble. Also, there's rejection by the family. In verses 23 through 42, this long passage is about counsel. You have the calling of the apostles, consideration of how to minister, the cost for following him. You have the world will hate you, your family could hate you, division. And now you have counsel what the Lord says about dealing with some things. Verses 23 and 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master. And the servant asked his lord, "If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, that's another name for the devil, how much more shall they call them of his household?" And so this is about, this is about uh, having trouble, uh, being accused of uh, being bad, and so yeah. on. And so he says, "Don't be surprised that these happen." Now Matthew five eleven. Look at this verse. Go back a few chapters, Matthew five eleven. This verse has bearing upon what he's saying here. Matthew five verse number eleven, the counsel he gives to the apostles when they face opposition and rejection. Matthew five eleven. Um, you, look, uh, I think about this. Uh, a pastor could be minding his own business and he'll be he'll be hated because some people just will find fault with whatever he does. A Christian, uh, a police officer doing his job will be accused of being uh, abusive. Because he has to take down somebody. Stand and have a video I would like you to see, a short clip. It's about some foreign country in which a guy has been has been approached by a police officer in another country. The guy's walking to him like this. This guy walking up, lifts up his shirt, like, go ahead, taste me, go ahead, taste me, lift up your shirt, go ahead, taste me. I'm not afraid of you. And then another car comes up behind him. Two guys come out in uniform. One guy walks behind him. And here's what happens. You're gonna like this one. This is how it ought to be done. This guy is acting very belligerent, walking toward the, the officer. This guy walks back he does this. He walks back and he just goes What? and knocks his leg underneath him. He falls back like that. The guy gets turned over and he's cut in about three seconds. It was so cool. It was so effective. No argument, no stalemate, just take care of business. <laughs> so good. Now, what's that all about? You do your job and you do your job you still get criticized. You still get criticized. So this is about a Christian being a Christian. He still gets criticized because he's a Christian. And the Lord explains by saying in his counsel, Matthew 5, 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. The next word is very important. Falsely. Falsely. Next two three words is for my name's sake. Now look at that verse again, please. Verse number 11. Persecution will come to somebody just being a Christian, a cop doing his job, etc. And people will take out their phones to take a picture or video of you taking this guy down and they'll say abuse, 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 police, abuse, police, abuse, crybabies, snowflakes, Karens. Say all men of evil against you falsely, falsely for my sake. No, Jesus is explaining this in his counsel to them. If you follow me, people gonna talk about you. Don't be surprised. You're a Pony Express rider. It's risky. Just be sure that the accusation is false. Just be sure you're not guilty of the accusation. Now, sad to say, it's not sad. Let me let me rephrase that. Tragically, tragically. Accusations of Christians and full-time ministers often are true. Sadly, sorry, tragically. Tragically is more devastating than sadly. Sad is sad. Tragic is, oh, you can't undo that. Tragically, it is true that when a Christian accused of something, often it is true. They're guilty of that accusation. So, the rule, apostles here, is it's going to happen, but if it's false accusation, you're blessed because you're doing the right thing. you follow me. For us today, we're also blessed if we're living right, having a consistent testimony, and yet someone still accuses you of something. He says, you're blessed because you're not guilty of the accusation. Somebody has a problem and... They're going to take it out on you because they didn't like what you said. So on like that. Uh, personal illustration here. Um, a guy last year went to see him several times to help him and all everything else too. And you know what you're supposed to do and, and encourage him along the way. And then uh, come to find out that he had a girlfriend in his life I didn't know about. Uh, and then she began to come around after he started coming to church and then Got to meet her at the home and so on like that. And Peter's asked me all this unusual question he never asked before. So I'm being trying to put two and two together. I'm, I'm suspecting that perhaps this person in his life now has begun to ask and say things that caused him to doubt what he was learning in church. And so some of the questions he asked me was, Is is IBC a real church? Is it a Bible church? Does it actually teach the truth? And I'm thinking, prior to this, month, before, this guy is saying, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for helping me. Thank you so much for coming over. Thank you so much. I'm so glad God led me to that. You know, all these kind of things that make you feel pretty good. And now it's turned around. And then the last text I got from him, it was a long one. He says, you, me, you don't, you don't talk about issues. You don't talk about issues. You don't get into it. So I wrote back and I said, well, you're not hardly here now. You're here once you know, once a week, and so you don't really catch everything that goes on here. You catch one third of it. I said, if you're here all the time, perhaps you would catch everything. But I'm not sure what you mean, I wrote back to him. And I, and I said, uh, what websites are you watching? What YouTube channels are you watching? It seems like your head has really turned around 180 degrees. And so, in the case over here, if it's unjustly or falsely, you can live with that. You can live with that, all right? So remember this. If it's unjust, if it's false accusation, you can live with that. You can't really change anything. You can't persuade anybody's mind. All you can do is do the right thing. And if it's unjust, if it's false, that's okay. It really is. It hurts, but it's still okay. Okay? Because you're not guilty it's tragic though when you are guilty and that is the time to repent and do the right thing humble yourself ask for uh, ask for uh, uh, admit it face up to it and do the right thing all right just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're always innocent (laughs) but just because you're a Christian and doing the right thing you will be accused. hopefully it's just a false accusation now uh, it's a sad it's a tragic commentary. Now, what about fear? Verses twenty-five to twenty-eight. Twenty-five to twenty-eight. It is enough for the disciple that. No, I mean, yeah. Verse chapter ten, verse number twenty-five. It is enough for the disciple that he is, he be as his master and the servant as his lord. And let me see. you're going to come down to verse number twenty-eight. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye among upon the housetops and fear not them which kill the body fears the thought verse 28 fear not them which kill the body well who can kill the body well a lot of people can kill the physical body a lot of people can kill you a lot of things can kill you a bullet a knife a bomb explosion poison a lot of things can kill you a lot of people can kill you government no matter who it is they can kill you And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, so though someone can kill the body You know how many people Mao Zedong killed? Stalin? Uh, The numbers are in the millions. Fulpat? Incredible amount of people that were killed because They can kill the body, but look at that he says don't fear them they're not able to kill the soul rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell now who would that be who can say i have the authority to take you to heaven i have the authority to keep you out of heaven who has that authority well it's not a government it's not a it's not a dictator. it's not a president it's not anybody i mentioned not anybody today can do that no matter how powerful they think they are and how conniving and wicked they are They cannot take away your soul. Fear the one who can send your soul to hell. Who would that be? It's not the devil. The devil cannot take, send you to hell. He doesn't have that authority. God is the authority, fear him. The Proverbs talk about that. By the way, Abraham Lincoln, when asked about his political opponents, the question was, do you fear your opponents? Abraham Lincoln says, I fear no man. (laughs) Well, that's a good attitude to have. But the proverb says, it's a snare to fear a man. Acts 13, 16, men of Israel, and ye that fear the Lord, or fear God. So fearing God is a good, healthy thing, because only he had the authority to send someone to hell. Not any man. About whom to fear. Counsel about whom to fear. Counsel about God's love for you, verse 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? and one of them shall not fall to the ground or on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, because he knows the minutest of details about your life, that's why you have sparrows. How many millions of sparrows are in this world? Who can tell? Only God knows. How many hairs are on your head? Who knows? It's a bunch. It's a bunch. Who knows how many... How, how many strands of hair you have in your scalp god does nobody else does if they do know they're wasting a lot of time counting the hairs on your head but the bare hair now especially if you're okinawan now if you okinawan count the hairs on your arm is, and hairs on your leg you ever see okinawan who has uh, wearing shorts his hair looks like a gorilla looks like california grass it's like wow well the very hairs of your head are numbered by god sparrows that fall god knows how many so because he knows everything about you apostles remember that he loves you he cares for you he take care of you verse 32 whosoever therefore shall confess me before men him will i confess also before my father which is in heaven now about identification about identification with him verse 33 2 33 also, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Now, 32 and 33 go together. Confessing him before men, Jesus said he will confess that man who confesses him before men to his Father. On the other hand, verse 33, if you don't confess me, if you deny me before men, I will deny before my Father. How true is that today? Is it true today? What is the truth for that about that today? If, if that is literally literally true, now he's talking about the the seriousness of apostleship, discipleship, the seriousness of following him. It, it's a very serious matter. It's not just uh, decide to follow him one day, next day I'm changing my mind. He says, you're going to follow me, follow me. He says, you're going you're to say, one time a man came to Jesus and says, Master, I'll follow thee whether with a with, with, with servant thou goes. And he said, the birds have nested, the fox have hosted the son of a no said and the man went away sad because... He couldn't count the cost. But he's emphasizing in verse 32 and 33 about the seriousness of following Christ. You're not going to be fickle about this. And so he's using these words. But let me ask this question If you have to confess him before men, he will confess you before his father. What if you don't confess him before men? Well, this is verbal, this is audible. What if you can't talk? What if you can't talk? You use sign language, I guess. But if you can't talk, does that mean this? You're out? No, it doesn't mean that. He's just making the point about how serious it is to follow him. And so, you have to be considerate about what these verses say. Can you confess him in your heart? Can everyone confess? Oh, absolutely. You can confess in your heart because God knows your heart. So in your heart, you can say, Lord, I know, I believe. He he knows that, but you can't verbalize it because you can't. So I think there's something else besides what it says at the letter of the law. Supposedly, identification with him is serious. All right. Now, then we finish up here, verses 34 through 38. 34... To thirty-eight. Think not that I am come to sin, peace on earth. I come not to sin, peace, but a sword. I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against his mother and the daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be uh, they of his own household. Okay, now he did say earlier about the world rejecting you. Now he says your own family will reject you. Look at verse 37, continuing. He that loveth his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The seriousness of following. I'll say something about this verse in just a second. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Now, all these verses, again, emphasizing like 32 and 33 says, the seriousness of following him. He's saying it is so serious that when you follow me, it's like you actually don't love your family anymore. He's not saying don't love your family He's saying it just really appears like you don't love your family anymore because you're following me so seriously You're not worthy of me seriousness of following him And once again emphasizing this he's not saying despise your family at all. He's not saying that at all But in comparison, it does seem like you don't care what your parents say. You don't care what your sibling says You don't love them anymore because you now are following Christ it appears and sometimes they say, Well, you don't love us anymore. I'm your mother. I raised you from you as a baby. I took care of you. I nursed you. I carried you for nine months. And look what you do to me. That's how someone can react to that. And it's not like that at all. And so he's explaining, he's giving them counsel about the seriousness of following him and how it appears that you don't love anyone anymore because you're following Christ. So it's something to really think about here so this is what you find in this chat at least i did and uh I, calling consideration the cost of following and counsel so hope that is meaningful to you in some way let's pray i gotta go thank you father for the bible and we pray to you help us to learn something from it each time we meet in jesus name amen